Mr. McGeehee. Yes, sir. In your best Will Smith impression, can you give us a good welcome to Earth? Uh, sure. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> I'm Will Smith. What's What's great is how close Let's is to that. I think of all the people, you're definitely the closest. West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground, is where I spent most of my day. <laughs> West Philadelphia is like an island of misfits. No. You are not listening to an episode of Snagglepuss. You are listening to ID4 Minutes at a Time, the only podcast dedicated to analyzing, scrutinizing, and celebrating the 1996 Roland Emmerich masterpiece, Independence Day. Four minutes at a time. I am one of your gallant co-hosts, Kenny Madison, and along with me are... Lulu Nagel. Tyler Bryce. And joining us is... Well, Tyler, yes, McGee. Well, uh, for the first off, I was going to add some descriptors to your name. How dare you? Oh, okay. Hang uh, on, I'll go backwards. <laughs> this happens a lot. Less. By the way, he he got that last part with his first name right. Cell. He he ended that with less backwards. That was awesome. Well done. Cell. Uh, actor, performer, raconteur, Les McGee. He welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for the welcome. Oh, my God. This introduction does sound a lot more like the less that I know and not someone who's leaving an outgoing voicemail message at work with just their name. <laughs> Please leave a message for Les McGee. No, no. <laughs> I know. Why do people those messages drive me nuts? And even when performers, I like several of my friends sound so depressed. Lulu, I'm right here. Okay, well, you need to re-record. There's the message that my mom has, which is hilarious, uh, which is, please leave a message for Debbie. <laughs> Pause. And the weird part is her, her name is Margaret. That is that's, the weirdest yeah, that's, part. That. That's bizarre. Yeah, Mama Lydia had one for quite a while that was weird. I don't know if this thing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking about not knowing if this thing beat these minutes, minutes 68 through 72, don't exactly tell us more information until we watch it. These minutes start with vehicles approaching Stephen Hiller and ends with President Thomas Whitmore walking closer to a mysterious object. Oh, Lulu. He's at the museum. Indeed, we are spending a night at the museum today. <laughs> For those of you that, that aren't familiar with the podcast, uh, Kenny and I, of course, old hat at this movie. We, we, we love this movie. That's why we're doing this podcast. Um, Lulu, of course, does not remember this movie. She did see it in the theaters, um, but she doesn't remember it all. Uh, she's a new Les, hat. She's new hat. Uh, Les, um, speaking of pilgrim hats, could you please tell us uh, your relationship to the movie uh, Independence Day? Well, I am somewhere in between the two extremes that you just described, Mr. Bryce, and I see it as a trope of social commentary that has no direct comparison in its relevance to modern society and the development of humanity over the course of the eons. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, artistically, uh, Michelangelo, oh. Da Vinci, mm -hmm. Uh, Botticelli, every painter from the Renaissance, in a way, owes a dollar to the producers of this movie for understanding artistic form at a higher level. They'd all be broke uh, 
with all those old Italians if it weren't for Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And that was ID four minutes at a time. Choose us uh, next week when we've got a- <laughs> another very... Wait a minute. Um, that was very well put, Les. Uh, everybody froze. Yeah, every okay. man equals pull man. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's every, very well done. Every man way, is pull man. We didn't really cover who Les is and, and what brings him here. Um, Les, how about, how about you give people a little bit of a breakdown of you, of why you're here, how you play well with others? Well, I can tell I'm being baited into doing 45 minutes uh, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yet, uh, I am a guy who got to make up an awful lot of comedy, a lot of it with these beautiful people that we're chatting with today. And yes. it was the joy of my life. The numbers got really large. The amount of things we made up got really large. We continued to have increasing amounts of fun. And now those wonderful people that I got to make up all that stuff with have gone on to do amazing professional things that I get a relative nonstop amount of joy from watching. And along the way, Tyler's referring to my book, Plays Well With Others, my first book. Since then, I've published quite a few things, maybe uh, 25 or 30 books and articles of various types. And uh, um, I own some businesses. That's really fun. Those of us that like to make up funny things, uh, often get wise and open businesses so that we can leave at the time that we choose and go make up funny things somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I have made a science of that. And other than that, I just hang out waiting to get a call from these three people to do something fun. And I scored today. Excellent. So, Kenny, just to put on your list of things that Les is, in addition to be a raconteur, he is also an entrepreneur. Oh, wow. A rackapreneur. That that is exactly the sort of reason that we have him here. So uh, so welcome, Les. Uh, Kenny, I'm so sorry I cut you off. I think that you were about to tell us Lulu's predictions for the next four minutes. Yes, Tyler. And of course, thank you for teeing me up to read our weekly segment. Lulu's predictions. Lulu, play that stinger. Wait, I have to. Right, what? Play the stinger, Lulu. What's the stinger? What's the stinger? <laughs> that was mighty. <laughs> Welcome to Lulu's Predictions, a weekly segment at the beginning of the show where I read predictions from last week's episode. Uh, for minutes 68 through 72, here is what Lulu predicts. Area 51 is in Nevada. That's where they are keeping some pickled aliens that will give us some information. Air Force One will be rerouted to Nevada, which will be the science place they land at. We've got to get Constance, not Constance, Jasmine in communication with somebody that they've got the president's wife. Where's Will Smith? Vivica drives drives her bright wagon around to get her help. Randy Quaid's son needs his medicine, so they're going to convene together, all go to Nevada together. And finally, Will Smith is dragging an alien, and he's going to come across Randy Quaid and his posse with the alien. One of them have a ham radio, and in parentheses, Lulu said, that's what those people had. And they're all going to go to Area 51. My gosh. It's time to convene! Okay. You know, because it's that it's it's what those people those people all mm. those people have ham radios. Oh my goodness. Those conspiracy conspiracists 
Look, Randy Quaid strikes me as many things, but a conspiracy theorist, I just don't see it. You know, do you not see it? It's just, it's just everyday beliefs is what it is, right? Which is the name of Randy Quaid's talk show, Everyday Beliefs with Randy Quaid. <laughs> uh, Kenny, normally, uh, about this point, you'll say something clever to lead us into watching the four minutes of the movie. Oh okay. my God, I've got that one. Hey, Kenny. Yeah. I believe... If I'm not mistaken, I know you don't anticipate this question, yet I believe you have something clever to lead us into the clip at this interval. Uh, y- y- yes, we're going uh, <clears throat> we're gonna to we're going to watch. You do it. Come on. We're going uh, to. Are you leaving it. an outgoing message? What is this? <laughs> we're gonna Debbie. Wa- Debbie. <laughs> Lulu, roll that beautiful stinger footage. I'm excited. I hate it when it is. <laughs> so good. So good. I love it. I love that we're at Area 51, which is a secret military installation. <laughs> installation, like an art installation. Yeah, the Chiron lets you know we're in a secret military installation, and that secret military installation might just be Area 51. Good to know. Otherwise, I'd be looking at stuff on every one of the 24 floors. I'd be looking at all of it. What's on the other 24 floors? I don't know. Like, why do they need that much office space? Why does it take 40 years to repair the spaceship? Probably JFK lives on floor 18. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised I didn't have a high school job there as the guy that erases the tire tracks in the desert from the 2,000 people that work there and come and go every day. That's right. <laughs> like a sand zamboni. <laughs> a sand bony. Yes. That would have saved me so much time. <laughs> it sits on the side of the vehicle. Oh, my guinies. This, the, the stampede of RVs. Is quite the sight. Yes. Just trekking through the loose sand of the desert in your tonnage of RV. No, no one's going to get stuck in that, guys. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful image to start off these four minutes mm-hmm. uh, with, with Will Smith waving down a, what, what is a line of RVs in the sand. It's great. Yeah. You guys, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of mileage to reconcile here. Can you remind me, are there any movies or real life sections where Randy Quaid is not in an RV? Like in the movie? In any movie, anywhere or in real life on run from the police or anything like that. Are there any situations where, like, do we know he has a lower half that's not attached to an RV? We're not, we're not sure. The the last picture show? Oh, that was pre-RV. Yeah, I'm talking about post-RV Randy Quaid. Oh. Uh, Christmas Vacation and Real Life. And yeah. uh, I believe uh, running across Canada, avoiding uh, things that are eavesdropping through a ham radio on his brainwaves, if I'm not mistaken. It's my understanding that the R in RV stands for Randy Quaid. <laughs> well, the R stands for Randy, and then the V stands for Void. Which is his name from the old country. What I love about this movie so far is that it's the middle, it's middle America, the everyday man or woman who's going to save the world. It's not going to be 
the president. It's going to be the quirky scientist or the stripper or the Randy Void and the uh, stampede of middle America's RVs. Will Smith, you know, it's just your everyday guy who's going to help. And they're making that very clear. So, Lulu, are you saying that just because there is a, uh, a landscape uh, full of accents from the Jewish to the country accent, and then people with the occasional international phonetic alphabet, like Will and the president, uh, you think that just because of that and just because they put Jeff Goldblum in brown with a plaid shirt, buttoned. you think it's somehow about every man? Every man. Every man. Every man. Yeah. It's going to, I maintain there will be a low tech solution to this war at the end. It may or may not involve dolphins. Interesting prediction. We haven't seen any dolphins anymore. Not yet. No. If we do, they're going to have a regional accent, I predict. Oh, strong regional accent. Very strong. Yes. They're going to speak very porpoisely. (laughs) did you see the episode of star trek where they went back in time and data was in our century yes just curious yeah yeah time zero part two it's the opener of season six of next generation what did you think of brent spiner uh appearing in this um he of course is best known for playing data on star trek discovery uh, next generation. Next generation, you dummy. Yeah, which was a bunch of generations ago. I'm pretty sure he also played a part on Enterprise, though. Yes. Dr. Jungian Soon? He played Dr. Eric Soon. Oh, that's uh, right. Who is the, I guess, great grandfather of Dr. Noonien Soon. Okay. And this is the movie that connects all of that. Brent Spiner plays the long haired doctor. Lulu. Okay, here's my nit with that. Yeah, it's a clean. It's a clean room, but that doctor's walking around with all of his crazy gray long hair just flitting and flattening all around. Yeah, let's describe how we get there, Lulu. Yeah, because- that's a, wait, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm on this thing, too. Like, would you let Brent Spiner make you an omelet? I mean, is that really no, a clean room? It's it going to have, like, some... Piece of hair in that for sure. Oh, my goodness. That's a good point. I agree with that part. Oh, my gosh. When I look in the kitchen... When I look back in the kitchen of the restaurant, do not want to see long-haired Brent Spiner. Good no. point. It's no. not a great image. No. It's not. No. He looks like, who's the character that played Dave, the president Dave? Kevin Klein? He looks like Kevin, I thought it was Kevin Klein for a minute when I first saw him. The We see Will Smith dragging the alien body through the desert, and he's been alone for a long time, kicking the alien, cursing at him, but still wanting to preserve his life at some somehow in order to be studied. And he's dragging him. I guess he's headed himself to area 51. He was just going to walk there. Yeah. But uh, he's walking the wrong way, apparently because the RVs are coming in an opposite direction and he asked for a ride. So that's confusing. Maybe Mm. he got turned around in the crash. Or the RVs, when he says, Hey, there's something that direction, they turn and go that direction. They might. Let's see. Let's see. But quite a picture as the stampede of RVs come barreling towards him in the loose desert sand. Sure. And then we cut to the president and his entourage arriving at area 51, 24 floors down. Sure. And there's two doors they have to go through and he demands, open the doors, open the doors. And because they got to keep area 51 
static free. Clean as a whistle, static free. After 40 years, they've managed, and it was ruined this day by the president and his entourage and his little girl. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. His, his entourage includes his treasury secretary or whatever Constance's position is. Her ex-husband, his father, and the first daughter, mm -hmm. uh, as they all not only made it on the plane, but got off of the plane and then have now stormed into Area 51. Uh, isn't anyone else going, why, why not leave the daughter on the plane for the couple of minutes that it takes to go into the top secret military facility? It's why family not? day. It's family day at the installation. Bring your daughter to Area 51 day. Yeah, you know, Ty, since Brent Spiner is there and I'm, you know, I, I have the Star Trek reference rolling through my mind, I automatically scan the uh, <laughs> away party for who gets paid the least so that I know who's going to be killed first in the following segment of film. That's right. PLSD, paid less, suck dry. Someone's about to become a little cube of ashes or something. And I don't think it's the people that got the biggest oh. paychecks. Less very good Star Trek reference. They right need there. them to finish the movie. Yes. Yeah. But Harry Connick Jr.'s already been killed. That was a surprise. That shows you how far back in his career this was. He was <laughs> PLSD. They hired him at musician rates. <laughs> yeah, probably did. yeah, fun fact. Harry Connick Jr. was just doing it for scale. Oh, my gosh. Les, we uh, likened Harry Connick to that improv friend you have who can never turn off his comedy and just goes on and on and won't stop. <laughs> In this movie. Okay, so they all go in. They see the blue flower disc spaceship. They've been working oh, on, on it. Hang on, hang on. I got to capture this for myself. Blue flower disc spaceship. Is that what we got? Yeah. That's what it looks like. Blue when they flower all disc spaceship. All right, cool. I'm caught well, up. Well, because you have referred to the fighters as gnats so far. Oh, well, it was a gnat then. Uh, but now what does it look like? Because but now it's big. It is. Upon closer inspection, it looks more like a trivet a, a decorative trivet that you'd put under your pot a trivet your pot was hot <laughs> yeah scrolly scrolly well the, you think trouble with trouble with trivets oh yeah. come on <laughs> right there high five high five high five high five, high five. High five. High five. High five. lulu i'll explain no. that one in an email later it. okay thanks Please. wow um anyway uh, the yeah. trivets the tribbles of course from an episode of star trek deep space nine where they went back in time well, because they went back in time to the original series. I don't. I'm unfamiliar with the reference. Because the trouble with Tribbles. I think you're thinking of the one where the Tribbles were 90 feet tall and it was called Star Trek Jurassic Goldblum. And they had the huge. If you're talking about 90 foot tall Tribbles, you're talking about the animated episode. <laughs> the More Tribbles, More Troubles, which was also written by David Gerald, who was the original writer of the Trouble with Tribbles. I like Star Trek anyways. Man, when I grow up, I want to be you, Kenny. Uh, yeah. I think you're talking about the Spiner guy when he built the DeLorean and then set it and went 88 miles an hour to go back no, in time. No, 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 no. Similar that, hair. That, that's Back yeah. to the Future. Oh. He, had, he had shorter hair. Wait, so Brent Spiner was also in Taxi? No, 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 no. That, that was Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd was in there along with Judd well, Hirsch. And, and Judd Hirsch who's a bit, would be the connective tissue for those muscles. Yes. Bam! Kevin Bacon! And fun fact, you know who they originally wanted to get to play the president's daughter? Tony Danza. Wow. <laughs> That's wow. pretty good. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. So they're 20, so they walk down that platform to go 24 floor or 24 floors under the earth. 
and then they walk across and then they go up an incline to go about half a level up. So is the flower disc, is the gnat um, on floor 23 and a half? Yeah, it is. That's a good Harry Potter, good Harry Potter uh, train station catch there, Ty. Yeah, obviously they either got the elevator out of alignment or the trivet is somewhere on a half floor. Otherwise, I suppose they probably designed it with the elevator being, oh, we'll just get out of the elevator and walk straight to the trivet room. Yet somebody didn't measure that stuff, right? You got to measure twice, cut once. Exactly. Which, I mean, I, I'm just saying that this is an indictment of the military construction uh, process. Yeah, the contractor was just like, no, no, this is... No, we intended this. And the U.S. government is like, I don't, because you're going down and then you're going back up. I mean, we're only the U.S. government. And they're like, hey, no, you didn't no. Believe, you didn't believe that stuff about $250 hammers, right? Right? You're, I mean, come on. What, like we tell the president what we really spend money on? I don't think you spend $30,000 on a hammer, $60,000 on a toilet seat. Oh, that's a good, good accent. Did you notice that uh, the president was wearing a black version of the big suit David Byrne wore in Stop Making Sense? <laughs> I'm not sure why is my point. I mean, we all saw it. Yep. Why? What was the point of that? I mean, I think that's just a visual reminder that to President Thomas Whitmore, the world has stopped making sense. Well, as we get old older and stop making sense, making sense, making sense. He was looking for solutions, and he said to himself, this must be the place. <laughs> you know, in your Back to the Future uh, connection there earlier, Lulu, uh, they made a reference to Ronald Reagan was president, and nobody could believe that an actor would be president. Yet clearly we're looking at Bill Pullman and we're going, hmm, now that's plausible. That's right. It is Bill Pullman. Makes 100% sense. Bill Paxton. I was waiting for it. There no, it is. No. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. If you'd like to leave a Bill message. Paxton. For Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why do you think they keep hammering the idea of plausible deniability? I think that James Rebhorn is just using plausible deniability as an excuse to keep the president in the dark. So he just has a little bit more power. I think president. Foghorn Rebhorn is just uh, relating to the ongoing controversy that we all know happens in our government already. That's why it's a higher level of social commentary disguising itself as an adventure movie. Exactly. Did anyone else notice, maybe this is just my freakish eye, did anyone else notice that in the holding chamber before they go down the ramp into Area 51 proper, that there was a little uh, eyewash station, or rather there was a logo for an eyewash in the holding chamber? I didn't see that, no. I didn't either. Are they working with chemicals down there? Well, the thing, the weird thing is that it's it's in the holding chamber, not the actual sciencing place that they go down into. Yeah, the holding chamber had nice paneling, looked a little bit like a nice hotel lobby. It seemed like an unlikely place to put an emergency eyewash station. Yeah, it just looks well, like a locker room. You can never anticipate where eye trauma is going to happen. I think they just want you to go in there with clean eyeballs. You know, uh, clean eyes, full hearts, can't lose. So, a pre <laughs> <laughs> so, so a pre eyeball wash. Yeah. Get your eyes ready for this because you ain't going to believe this trivet. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Okay. I want to know from you guys. Do you believe in alien life? Yes. And tell me more. I I come down to you know I there's this infinite universe and I and the odds that we are really the lone example of sentient life in this giant giant unlimited cosmos just seems really dumb to me. It can be done here. It can be done in other places, um, and probably has been. Um, now, whether or not it's life that we'd recognize, and whether or not there's anything that can communicate with us or be here that's a totally different question but again infinite universe infinite probable probabilities well you know i realize i'm the guest here i'm the new guy in this conversation yet the oh. distance that you're going to misdirect lulu is pretty extreme so everybody who knows the film knows that the probability of alien life is made clear before the end of the movie and is indisputable yet it's a pretty good novice question for a midpoint well, the, the people that are in the RVs are the people that are most adamant that the giant st space are discs are from. Sorry, what was that, Tyler? Giant space discs. Giant space discs. <laughs> he says you want to see the big tamale. Uh, yes. On an unrelated note, Tyler, can you grab both of your microphones and then just pull them closer to your face? Is that. And then push them further back. Yeah. A little... Just to. <laughs> I'm going to just shut my eyes. <laughs> yeah, there's their space digs. The digs they live in uh, in space are trivity. It's true. And yet clearly they're living beings who have come from far away to help us and are misunderstood or I'm not sure what's going to happen next. And yet again, the people that are in those RVs are the people that think that those giant space discs uh, come from Detroit. They think it's an inside job. They're all like, uh, no, no space aliens. And they're probably gathering right now to storm the Capitol. Uh, is it legal to tow a 1940s crop duster behind your RV in the desert? I mean, we did it all the time back in Oklahoma. <laughs> did you Good though? to know. It's got to be really bumpy on those two wheels. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they only it? weigh about 50 pounds. They're just a motor and some paper mache designed to uh, crumple upon impact with a, a quaid in them. Oh, no, we learned last time that a sheet of thin aluminum can hold a woman down. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things been holding the women down. It's true. And that's one of the things that this this movie's contributing to is mm -hmm. opening up our eyes to uh, equality and fairness for all. Look, it doesn't matter what accent you have or what planet you come from. No. Uh, we all use trivets. We're all in this together. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's a women empowerment film. Yeah. You can shatter that aluminum ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Or crinkle it. As, as Dr. Jen Dorsey said on her episode, that this movie is an unequivocated feminist masterpiece. So that's from a doctor. From Harvard. Lulu, do you, do you, do you believe in aliens, Lulu? I'm with Tyler and I guess everyone here. Like it just seems improbable that they aren't around i yeah. don't know that we've had interactions i don't believe the government could keep it secret i think a group of people even if they're in the government couldn't keep that on the dl well with trump having been in office i figured that he would have tweeted that out at some point or maybe he did but all the thousands of other awful things that he was doing we, we just kind of missed that one
Well, how come if uh, if aliens haven't visited us and whispered in the ears of certain officials, how come technology seems to arrive in waves? It almost seems like they are choosing when to enact different forms of technology. Like cell phone service? Well, there there was the New York Times article that talked about UFOs. Mm-hmm. And that's the New York Times. So pretty big deal. Well, what did you learn from that? I don't. Re- I didn't see that one. According to the article, I'm just pulling up this first article because, gosh darn it, we're, we're, we've only got so much time. The Pentagon has a long secret unit investigating unidentified flying objects, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, and that was reported by the New York Times in December of 2017. Huh. How about that? Just one year after this film was made. That's right. Sort of. (laughs) Uh, But to clarify, UFOs don't necessarily mean aliens. It's just an identified flying object. Yeah, it's pretty easy to believe in something called unidentified. I believe there are things out there that are unidentified. Right. And I believe that uh, arriving with a trivet is a pretty good party technique. Yeah. You know, bottle of wine would have been good, yet they don't know our physiology yet they don't know if their alien wine would kill us or be good to us and so they brought a trivet trivet seems harmful harmful enough or harmless <laughs> enough depending on the size of the trivet i suppose last longer too absolutely hmm. uh anything else in regards to this particular four minutes folks lulu which of the uh, people in the entourage that we just saw can you tell her about to reveal that they themselves are an alien Oh, funny. It's got to be Judd Hirsch. <laughs> he does kind of look like Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black. Maybe it's the president's daughter. Ah, that'd be a sneaker. Uh, she strapped herself in on the plane using her tentacles. She did. Yeah. I got nothing else for this women, one. Women don't have tentacles. <laughs> when my, my son was a little boy, I went to pick him up from preschool, and she's like, Let's tell mommy what you learned today. We studied octopuses. And I was like, uh-huh. She said, now, Weston, what's that big, big balloon thing on the top? That's his head. And what are her long, <laughs> stringy arms called? What are those called? Testicles. She's like, <laughs> close. Tentacles. <laughs> it sounds right to me. Just appreciating your insight. Thank, thank uh, you. Speaking of appreciating your insight, Lulu, what do you oh. think is going to happen in the next four minutes after watching this hair-raising, knuckle-biting, skin-crawling four minutes that we've just watched? <laughs> so I'm, I'm sticking with my prediction from earlier that they're all convening on to Area 51. Will Smith is going to get into the RV with Randy Quaid and fam, and I guess they'll strap the alien to the top of that RV and let him collect bugs in his... Testicle tentacles. <laughs> Let him collect bugs in his tentacles. Um, and he'll finally get some water. Gosh darn it. He's just been trudging through the desert forever. Yeah, probably thirsty. Hmm. Right. The president will get briefed on the spaceship and how long it's been there. He'll finally get to see a pickled alien. I feel certain there's a pickled alien in there. Uh, Will Smith and the RVs will pull up to the front of Area 51. They'll be blocked. But just like 
Jeff Goldblum getting into the White House, nearly through the front door. Will Smith and his Randy Quaid RV will also sort of just work, talk their way in to the Area 51, where they shall all be together. Now, we still don't know where Vivica A. Fox is with the president's wife. They probably need to get to some sort of phone so they can call. But it, I don't see any cell phones in this because it was 25 years ago. So I'm not sure. They're not going to know to call for Area 51. We do have um, Jeff Goldblum's triangulation device that can locate. Oh, they do have cell phones. We've seen her talk on one, right? Just it's a great big cell phone. I wonder if the Area 51 dial-up phone number is on the second page of the phone book. Could be. I mean, it's right there in the title. You just dial 51. All those businesses. It's that, actually uh, the first entry because they have it under AAAA Area 51. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The government would be ahead on marketing. Right below yeah. AAA towing. Right. We haven't even done the uh, Jeff Con scale. Less, of course, every week we discuss the hotness of Jeff Goldblum using the Jeff Con scale, with five, of course, being the least attractive, one being the most attractive. Uh, generally, we, we ask Lulu her opinion, and then I'll, I'll of course, come to you. So, Lulu, uh, where is Jeff on the Jeff Con scale this week? He's, he's solidly a five. He's, he's just along for the ride. He looks a little bit confused. He's being very quiet. He's not being his normal, outspoken self. Maybe he's still sick from the airplane ride because he gets air sick. He's just sort of... Faded away somehow. He hasn't played a very major role in the last several four-minute segments. Hmm. Les, how about you? Where, where's uh, Jeff on the Jeffcon scale for you? I would say I would agree that he's uh, hovering down there by a five, kind of like a, a swarthy, thin leather, over-oiled, egotistical trivet down about five. <laughs> okay. That makes him a four for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 3.9 just to encourage your your activity there because that is a swarthy individual. You know how some people you bump up against and your clothing doesn't stick to them? That's not him. Yeah, that's not him. Uh. Excellent. A well-lubricated Jeff Goldblum is what we're all hoping to achieve someday. Not like you want to see him crack open until he reveals himself as the alien later on in the movie. Spoilers. Yes. Kenny. Ah, oh, dang it. Sorry. Uh, so, so Lulu, mm -hmm. since we have to, if you had to rewrite this scene, Lulu, how would we get him to Jeff Con 1? He rips that plaid shirt off. Once he sees the spaceship, he runs in slow motion over to it closes the hatch, knows how to work it, starts up all the engines, and blows through 24 floors <laughs> out into the atmosphere and begins his heroic journey to save Again, the Earth. They went back up, so I think 23 and a half. Right, it's a sunken living room. Because he, he doesn't, he just doesn't even consult anyone. He just takes a beeline right for the ship. And well, then you just... Guys, did you did you think about how they got that huge ship down 24 floors? Like, what kind of cargo elevator is that? Yeah, a, a, a large one, if they ever intend to get it out again, which I can't remember if they do or not. Yet the idea that Goldblum consults with anyone about anything, 
that is a lot more unrealistic than the existence of alien life. Right. Right. He's not. Goldblum does. He just swarthily slides right into choices and they can either deal with it or not. Right. He's a man of action. That's right. He is. And whining. Well, that sounds like a good rewrite to me, Lulu. Thanks. As per always. Uh, Anything else? Well, clearly you're faking it, and Lulu has seen this movie so many times that, uh, you know, otherwise all of her guesses wouldn't be 100% accurate like they are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm so close all the time. Uh, Les, how how can folks uh, find you on the internet? Would you you recommend that people just uh, blanket buy your book from somewhere yes i would say so in terms of the book i do need to sell some more books we have a second edition due out before the end of the year there are still some first editions out there Les mcgee he plays well with others there is another plays well with others about the aids epidemic in new york city that's not what i wrote about sure <laughs> your yours is a little bit lighter in tone uh, i would i would hope so although some portions of it you know, I'll leave that up to the reader. Like the Independence Day, Independence Day viewer, you can't pin them down. Okay, the 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 reader will decide: is it a, a hospitable trivet or is it a trivet to be frightened of? And the same is true of plays well with others. There are funny games and stories in there. Do they horrify you or do they delight you? That's up to you. I'm not the boss of your reception of consciousness. <laughs> That's true. No. Les, you are a master rock tour, and because we have you here, could could I could I ask you to share a story with with us? Um, just any old story that that lasts somewhere between two and three minutes. Um, if you if you'd like me to suggest one, I certainly can. But but I want to hear you just share a story with everybody because he really is a master storyteller, and and I uh, he he was also called the real funniest person in Austin. I. Uh, by uh, by a newspaper article here in Austin many years ago. Uh, but anyway, I'm hoping that, that we might get a story out of you uh, just because I've heard you tell so many wonderful stories through the years. Any chance you might I'll, have one for us? Uh, I'll impart a quick cautionary tale for the purpose of everyone having a sweeter life. And it's a parallel to what you guys are doing to sweet Lulu here. All right. So uh, when I was, uh, my family moved and I had to start at a new school in second grade and I didn't hardly know anybody. I was about five days late because of uh, the move. And so my older brother, John, who's seven years older than me, six years older than me, uh, six and a half, he lives on floor six and a half. My older brother, John had told me, he said, uh, you know, since our dad passed away, uh, you can be sure they're going to ask you how your dad died. And since you were so little, I'm sure you could use some help with that description. And I said, yes, my loving brother, please give me a hand with that. Prepare me for society, would you please? And like a sponge, I soaked up his training. He said, uh, so someone's going to say, how did your father die? And what they're really going to think is funny is if you clutch your chest and scream out in pain and fall on the floor and kind of wriggle around, oh man, they're going to laugh at that. And they're going to know that you're the funny kid in class that you've arrived. And I said, that sounds great. So I get to Mrs. Butterfield's class and Mrs. Butterfield says, there's going to be a talent show. And what was I going to do in the talent show? And I said, I I don't know because I have no talent. 
And she said, well, honey, uh, what do your parents do? And I said, well, my dad is dead. And she said, oh, honey, how did your daddy die? And so I clutched my chest and I screamed out loud and I knocked the entire desk over and I stormed around on the second grade classroom floor. And when I opened my eyes to reap the rewards of the incredible laughter and adulation from my students, instead, what I saw was a bunch of wide open second grader mouths all horrified. Oh. And Ms. Butterfield, looking down at me, had somehow managed to jump cry and already looked a little bit like Alice Cooper with big diamonds of mascara on her face and whatnot. I realized I had been played by my brother and I looked up at her trying to think of a way to bail her out in my six and a half year old mind. And I said, I can juggle. <laughs> and she booked me in the talent show as a juggler. And I went home and told John, I said, you caused this hot mess. I have a green blazer that looks a little bit like what Jeff Goldblum would wear in Independence Day. All I need to know is how to juggle by Friday. <laughs> And he taught me how to juggle. And it was juggling in that talent show that made me realize I was going to spend a life on stage. As a matter of fact, uh, as those of you that have performed live with me know, I started juggling. I read the room and I immediately went walking out on the cafetorium tables and stomping on things and uh, playing the audience as my teachers all chased me around going, get off the tables, Les, get off, get down, get down. What are you doing? Get back on the stage, get back on the stage. And I pretty much never changed from there forward. Oh, oh I need so to Lulu, be careful who you get your advice from. For sure. I want to send a thank you note to your brother now. <laughs> He's How a wonderful that? brother. Yeah, Aww. he got me on that one. Les can also be yeah. seen periodically uh, at Comedy Sports um, on uh, the Zoom Comedy Sports uh, shows that we have. Uh, those, of course, 730 on Saturday nights. Uh, watch from wherever the heck you want to watch from because they're all virtual and they're fun. Yeah. And with you, Ty, occasionally it plays well with others show for some big group in cyberspace somewhere. Yes. Yeah. We still love to make them make them up comedy and make everybody laugh. And Lulu folks can definitely find you somewhere on the internet. Nope. Oh, just, okay. That's <laughs> all right. Uh, and you can find me on one of my other podcasts, uh, including Lasso Cast, an episode by episode breakdown of the first season of the Apple TV Plus show, Ted Lasso. Go listen to that. We've got some awesome guests coming up. And then also Shame Watch, where we talk about guilty pleasure movies. You can find that one at shamewatch.podbean.com. Uh, that is it for ID Four Minutes at a Time. Les, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys more. That was a hoot and a half. And I can't wait to see the next four minutes of it and hear it analyzed by you guys in the next podcast. Yay. Thank you. Yay. 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 And until next time, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. <laughs>